So, my wife is going to preach today. She's an expert in this area. She birthed four children under four years. They're all following Jesus. I could end right there. <laughs> but to know the care, the concern, the nurturing, the love that she's given our four kids, I, I, I joked with her when they were all young, but it's serious. She ran a daycare in our house, and we had a, a newborn and one, a, a brand newborn, and then one that was just turning four years old. And then they had to grow up all together too. Wonderful, wonderful children. Uh, she's led, led them to the Lord, taught them so much about the Lord, turning into just great, great kids. And uh, I honor her as a mom, my wife. She's going to tear it up today. So here you go. Okay. Love you. So you're probably wondering, what in the world is she wearing today? So let me explain. What I'd love to wear every day is this, but what I get to wear every day is this. This is my favorite t-shirt. It tells everything that's about me. It says on it, prayer, pumps, pearls, and praise. That's everything that sums me up. I love the beautiful things in life, but I spend a lot of time singing and in prayer, a lot of time in prayer for my family, and for you, our church family, you might tell me something three months ago, and I'm still praying about it now. Uh, we might not talk about it, but the Lord and I do. So that's why I have a silly outfit on today. It's pretty comfortable, though, so we're going to stick with it. So a mother's work is never done, right? And all the women said, amen. Because some of you already threw in a load of laundry this morning. Who did? Yep. I did too. But happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. It might be your first Mother's Day. And some of you may have logged 60 plus years of being a mom, of caring for those who need you, whether they're still in your home or not. A mother's work is never done. And I just want to say, you know, it's the restaurants and Hallmark and the floors. They make a killing today, don't they? <laughs> but... Um, I pray that your heart as a mother is filled up. We were always taught growing up from my grandmother that every day should be Mother's Day, and it should be celebrated that way. Um, we have a gift for all of our gals today, from the youngest of the young to the most seasoned of our saints today. Uh, so when you leave, please pick that up from our ladies at the door. It's a small bookmark, and it has um, some meaning behind it. Um, our theme this year for Central Women is Appointed. You are appointed for his glory. You're established in him. And he's got something set aside that only you can do. You're doing this at home every day. You're nurturing your kids. But some of you here, I want to honor that you are a mother in the spirit. I watch how you care for those here in the church. And that is equally as important. So to everyone, I say, Happy Mother's Day, and please receive that gift. Use it as a bookmark in your Bible and open his word. It's when we see him and hear from him is that we understand what we are appointed for. Right, ladies? Amen? Amen. Well, a woman's work is never done, and I did a little research as if we were to be paid for our daily work, what that would look like. I was happily... Um, 
to find that uh, according to salary.com, ladies, are you ready for this? Yearly, our salary should be $162,000. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Now, just for doing the laundry, it's $2,000. I might throw more in. They're going to give it to me anyway. So on a daily basis, consider what you do. You might be a police, a fireman, a teacher, a nurse, a butler, a housekeeper, a laundress, a cook, a home repair, lawn care, taxi driver, interior designer. This is my favorite, private investigator. Well, what did, sh- what, what did you do? It wasn't you. Okay, well, then what did you do? Oh, I see. A detective, where's that sock, right? Mom and a party planner. We have a lot of hats that we wear. So, and those of you who are working moms, who balance all of this plus your job, you just tripled your salary, so congratulations. All this kidding aside, um, this day is to celebrate what mom means to you. If you had a great mom, this is, you don't need a special day on a calendar to tell her that you love her. And to honor and respect her, scripture calls us to honor her. Uh, If your growing up years weren't as rosy, I want you to think about that it was she who gave you life. And it was God who was knitting you together in the quiet space of her womb. And that when she birthed you, it was your discovery to find the Lord, your Savior, the very one who was talking to you in her womb. So though I, I pray even today as I was leading up to the message that your relationship with your mom, if it's, you know, off kilter, that you will be the one to live at peace and to go to her. For every mother, sacrifice starts from the very beginning. We provide warmth and shelter for nine months, and we lose sleep from the very beginning. A wise woman once told me in my first pregnancy with Isabella, she said, honey, from the moment of conception till the day you die, you will be tired. thought, wow, geez, thanks for the uh, advice, thanks. But the longer I'm a mom, she's right. She is right. Another wise woman in this church told uh, my mother one time, when they're young, they step on your toes, and when they're older, they step on your heart. But a mother can take it, we're strong. They need us. They, they desperately need us. And I just want to give a few shout-outs shout today to first my mother-in-law, who sits in the back and tries to go unnoticed. But that's Kurt's mom, Kathy Jenkins. And to my dear mother, Debbie Frigello here, and my sister, Kara. So happy Mother's Day to all of you. We're going to watch this video about what it means to be a mom. Let me start by saying I believe mothers should be respected, loved, honored, cherished. Most certainly, they should be protected. Webster tells us that a mother is a female parent, one who gives birth. But for those of us with a good mom, we know of her even greater worth. She was the one who was always there, knowing just the right time to say yes. Though hated then, we see now that even her no's were meant for our best. In times of hurt, her words captivated our hearts, working what some would call her mommy magic. We see now that it was just grace and love as she helped us through times so tragic. But before we get swept away in a world of fairy tales and myths, we give pause. 
realizing that Mother's Day for all is not a day of joy and bliss. For some people, the thought of Mother's Day causes them to mourn, for this day is one of great pain and suffering, a day where their heart is torn. Divorced, abused, abandoned, words that have left many moms feeling alone, as they never settle into their role, trying instead to protect the children in their home. And what about the pain endured by those who could never have a baby, leading them to believe that God's love is, at best, a maybe? For all you young ladies who long for the great treasure of a new birth, may I speak life into your heart. It is your heart, not your womb, that is the measure of your true worth. The emptiness you feel right now, because there is no life within your womb, can only be filled by the gospel, not a child, a job, or even a faithful loving groom. And others of you may be struggling from the fact that you bought the world's distortion. The pain you feel today is rooted in yesterday's abortion. Before we go any further, allow me to speak life where death may reign. Jesus' blood is sufficient to cleanse even the darkest sin's stain and to heal the deepest soul's pain. Draw from your past, but don't live there, for to do so will turn your heart to stone. But look to the love of Jesus, a love that on an old rugged cross for the world was shown. On that cross, Jesus commissioned his earthly mom with a very exciting task, one that would change her world and another's. What was it, you ask? Behold your son, Mary, he spoke, concerning the disciple for whom he had a special love, an adoption at a funeral, something so beautiful it could have only been written from above. For all the moms who gained the status, not in a hospital, but rather in a court of law, we praise God that through adoption, you too answered the motherhood call. And finally, for those whose moms are no longer on this earth's sod, we pray that today will find you cherishing the moments and the mothers given to you by God. Moms, we stand in your honor today. We thank you for all that you have done. May you continue to mom well until you can no longer see the sun. S-U-N, you know, the ball of fire that hangs in the sky. May the S-O-N reignite your passion. May you pass it on before you die. May all the hurts and the joys and the pains of your story simply not just be wasted. But may they from your memory be cut and on your children's hearts be pasted. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We truly value all your tendencies and yes, even your little quirks. But most of all, we thank you for modeling for us the truth that love truly works. There's a lot summed up in being a mom. As we continue our series today, learning about the names of God, we're going to find one today that is the nurturing side of the Father. The name is El Roy, the God who sees me. Say that, he sees me. Yeah, in every situation that you're facing, going through, he sees you. Let's go to prayer before we read his word. Father, I thank you that you see us. Help us to see you through your word today. Let us understand what you want our hearts to see as well. 
Let my words be yours, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you pick up a Bible this morning, and we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 16 and then to 21, we're going to finish in Hebrews today. I just love his word. As you're turning to Hebrews 6, I'm sorry, Genesis 16, I, I'll, let me set up the story for you. The young maidservant that we're going to be discussing, her name is Hagar, and let me preface that growing up in the church and learning about Hagar, I didn't like her very well. Of all of the women in the Bible, I, she ranked very low on my list. But as I've discovered more and more about her, I've come to understand her heart for the Lord. She was an Egyptian woman. She was under the care of Abram and Sarai, whose names were later changed to Abraham and Sarah. But she was a long way from home, and she was considered their property. But we find out that as she births a child, her child and Sarah's child will forever be at odds. And for that reason, I never liked Hagar. But I've come to understand a little more about her, about her heart. It was softened to the Lord. And she is the one who names him Elroy. Let's take a look. We're going to go to Genesis 16. Um, and, and let me tell you a little bit more about the story. Is that Sarai knew of her husband Abraham's covenant with the Lord. The Lord had promised Abraham that he would be the father of all nations, that his descendants would outnumber the stars. That's a lot of kids. In our natural mind, what if the Lord came to you and said, hey, you're going to have this many kids, like outnumbers the stars. Wouldn't you start thinking financially preparations, um, how many you know, diapers I'm going to need, all of those things. Well, they started to worry too. Number one, they were old in age. And two, Sarah had never conceived. So at the time, her name was Sarai. She went to Abraham, or Abram, her husband, and said, I have Hagar here, my maidservant. Go unto her and see if she will conceive for me. And it was custom of that time that any child that was born under their care, they could obtain that child as their own. Well, lo and behold, Hagar conceives. But there becomes contempt between the two women. Two women in a kitchen just doesn't ever really work out, does it? And I want to stop right here and I want to say something to you ladies. Comparison kills. You might walk into this church on a Sunday morning barely having brushed your teeth and the lady across the aisle has her children all neatly combed and bowed and buttoned up and tucked, and their shirts are actually tucked in. But you feel like a failure as a mom. You might come to church as an older woman, and you watch other people come in with their family, and you wish, I just wish that was me. I just wish they would come to church with me. Comparison kills. The Lord has appointed you to be the mother of your children. Your children need you. Nobody else, not the Pinterest mom, not the Facebook mom, and Lord, let us all be as perfect as we appear on social media. But the Lord has appointed you to be their mother. A comparison kills. But Sarai couldn't take it anymore, and she went to her husband, 
Abram, and she said, let's just see what the Lord says, if I'm right or you. Now, that's a step up in uh, marital arguments, right? Bringing in the Lord card. Let's see who's right. I promise I won't use that. So Abram says, you deal with it. And so she dealt with Hagar so harshly that Hagar runs away. Genesis 16, 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Now I have a map here. I want to show you something. In my reading of scripture all this time, I figured like Hagar collapsed about like 100 feet away from Abram's tent. You know, like they could still see her in the distance. But no, she walked a long way. She was pregnant, dejected. She was hurt. She had been abused. I mean, it says that Sarah, Sarai, had dealt with her so harshly. It doesn't expound, but doesn't sound very nice, does it? So here she is, she's walking, and she leaves Canaan. That's in the upper right corner there. She leaves Canaan, and she travels to go where? Back to Egypt. She was headed back home. She was going back to what was familiar to her. She didn't know where else to roam. So on her way back home, she finds herself in the middle of the desert, leading through Shur. And there in the middle, it's flagged. It says, Bir Roy, which is translated, the well of where God sees me. In the middle of the desert, there was water. This wasn't just any desert. It was vast. It was treacherous. And she was young and alone. But there was a spring of water waiting just for her. And the angel of the Lord appears to her in verse seven by the spring of water. She tried going back to what was familiar. Do we do the same? Do we end up acting like something we knew from our own childhood? When your child's throwing a tantrum, do you lay on the floor with them? I mean, sometimes you want to. But think about it. A few hours in the car for us, that journey would have been a snap. But she walked it feeling rejected and abused. But God's plans for her were different, and they're different for you as well. Let's pick up in verse 8. The angel of the Lord said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Then the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God's hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives." Here she receives a promise. I don't know how she felt about the news. I mean, your, your son will be a wild man, okay? <laughs> Let me brace myself, right? But she still nonetheless receives the same promise that Abraham received. Your descendants will be many. Look at that, that balance of the scales. But she receives a promise, and yet she had to be obedient to receive it. She had to return. She had to go back to her mistress, Sarah. You know, it's funny to me, 
that most angels, when they show up, they say, don't be afraid. This time, if you look back, he didn't say, don't be afraid. And she wasn't. And she communicated with that angel. And if you also look, it says, Lord, in all caps. And if you were listening really well last week, what did you learn? Lord, in all caps. Yeah, the one eternal God. Yeah. So the one eternal God visited with her. Let's continue in verses 13 through 15. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord, all caps, who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Laha Aroi, which means well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old, my, my, when Ishmael was born. Ishmael grows, and in Genesis 17, as he's growing, the, the, um, the Lord revisits Abram and, and reminds him of the promise and says, don't forget, your wife is supposed to birth the promise. Love her, go into her. And so Sarah does conceive, and they have their son Isaac. But Isaac, when Isaac was born, Ishmael was 13, so a lot of time had passed. And you find in Scripture, in Genesis verse 9, Genesis 17 verse 21 verse 9, that he is scoffing over the baby. He knows in his heart, hey, I'm the firstborn, dude. I get all the blessing, not even just the blessing. I get the double portion. But the Lord is going to give it to Isaac. So Abram... And Sarah, they have their discussion. And she had to be sent away again. Hagar had to go. So again, we pick up in chapter 21, verses 14 through 21. Go ahead and turn over there with me. Abraham fears of letting go of his kin, Ishmael, but was soothed when the Lord shared Ishmael's promise as well with him. Verse 14, Abram got up early the next morning, prepared food, and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself, about a hundred yards away. I don't want the boy to die, she said, and she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. This time it comes. Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cry as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. I want you to catch this in the next part, in the next verse, 19. Then God opened Hagar's eyes. And she saw a well full of water, She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up in the wilderness and became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. God opened her eyes again in the very same place where she was before. The well was there. It had had not dried up. Her water and her satchel had dried up, but the well of living water had not. 
And the same is for us. God sees you. He sees you right where you are. She had to lift up her son, showing obedience again to the word of the Lord. Now remember, he wasn't a baby. A lot of time in art, they will depict this this image of Hagar holding a young infant. But he was not small. He was 13. So he was probably taller than she was. And he lifted her up to the Lord. And she gave him something to drink. Isn't it amazing that it was just water that was just enough to keep them going? God who sees me. She asked in Genesis 16 earlier, have I truly seen the one who sees me? But God is not just a one sensory God. He doesn't just see you. He hears you. He heard Hagar's cry. He heard the boy crying in the wilderness. He acted and he touched the situation. He spoke from his mouth. And because of all this, there was intimacy between Hagar and the Lord. There was a closeness that he so desired. You know, sometimes I think it's, we think it's God who needs like his own prescription set of lenses to see our situation. Like, come on, Lord, don't you see? Don't you see how I feel? Like his glasses are smudged or something. But yet it is us. It is us. We need to have the mind of Christ and see how he sees. We need heavenly lenses to see how he does. When we pause long enough for ourselves that his eyes are upon us, he's watching me, we are known, we are seen, we are understood, we are loved. It is then that we can see and look at whatever the situation is with a different lens. Because oftentimes, at the time, at the moment, the problem seems really, really big, right? Really large. But when we step back and we have the Lord's lenses, it's really not so big at all. Kind of shrinks, doesn't it? Do you know what her name means in Hebrew? Her name means stranger. But he saw her. And in essence, he changed her name too. He changed the meaning behind it. She was a stranger, but he knew her. She was not strange to the Lord. And you know what I love about it is that she didn't even have to ask for help. He already saw it. He knows our needs before we even speak them. He's a God that never sleeps or slumbers. His eyes never shut. His eyes are always upon you. When we purchased our first home, I was just enamored with all of the original um, character of the house. It had rounded doorways and original um, woodwork and these glass little doorknobs. And we filled that house, that two-bedroom house, really fast. And as Kurt mentioned before, every space and corner had something in it. And there was very little place to walk. And I remember folding laundry one day when I actually got everybody to go to sleep at the same time during nap time. And I remember folding laundry and praying rather frustratedly, like, Lord, honest the Pete, you know? Like, I know you're with me, but you sure aren't folding this laundry, and you sure aren't cooking dinner later, and there's weeds outside that need to be pulled, and I just can't get to all of it. But he saw me. 
And in a moment, I felt like his presence rushed that room. And I heard him just whisper, I love you. And it made me drop that sock that I had in my hand. And I was rendered still. He sees you and he loves you. It was in that little house that we had one tiny bathroom with its original mint green tile. And um, those glass doorknobs didn't have a lock on it. So every man for himself when you had to go to the bathroom. And with four young kids, there was no, you know, no privacy. But I would go into that bathroom and on the inside of my cabinet, I had the verse from Hebrews that says, I will go boldly into the throne room of grace in my time of need to obtain mercy. (laughs) It was when I would go in there for just a breather and I would say, Lord, I am here to obtain mercy in my time of need. I would go into my physical throne room to go into my spiritual throne room to obtain mercy. When I was preparing for this message, I told Kurt, I felt like a mother heart. It was very heavy. And I sat for a long time one day and I heard the Lord say these things. And I'm just asking for every woman in the house to just bow her heart and her head before the Lord. And you might hear something that resonates with you. The Lord sees, and this is what he sees. When they're tired, no matter their age or stage, when they feel like a failure, when the little one is sick or diagnosed and you don't know what to do, I see your postpartum depression. When the infertility doctor or the pregnancy test says no, I see your desire. When the finances are not adding up, I still see your needs I've not forgotten. When your child is hungry and you don't have anything to feed them. When you are lonely. When you as a single mom are trying to make it all work, I've got you. When you want the relationship to be beautiful with your stepchildren, keep working, it's coming along. They see your good intentions and your heart. When you've lost a child, or your child has preceded you in death, a miscarriage, you've buried a child, or your child has left home and never returned. I see the abuse and the scars. I have scars too. You and your children can be free. For the mom who's older and her children, her children aren't serving the Lord, I see your tears. I hear your prayers. It's not your fault. For the mom of a little one who won't listen, be firm and yet loving, just as I am. For the mom of a teen, I'm hugging you. Your teens need that hug too. I see you now as a grandmother. You are making good on your promises to be better than those few mistakes you made as a mom. Your children rise and bless you. Your children's children are a crown to you. I see you when you've lost your temper again, said the things you shouldn't. I see when you don't come to repent, yet I see the goodness in your heart. I see when you cry yourself to sleep, I see when you're angry and when you're frustrated. I know you hate the laundry. I see when you sleep, which isn't much. You need more. I see you when you work tirelessly. I see when you sue the hurt. 
smooth the hair, plan a great meal, fight the bad guys, look the bully full on in the face, and then bake them cookies. I see when you hold that sick child, laugh with your kids, and make them feel like the only person on the earth. I see when you stop the housework to listen or color or read a story. I see when you read them scriptures, when you invite me into the room, when you pray with your kids, pray over your kids, over their rooms or their homes. I see you. Do you see me? I want to close today with Hebrews chapter 4, 16. It's 12 through 16. Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. Spending time in his word is so important. And I know when I was raising the kids, we're still raising the kids, but when they were super small, I felt like the only time I got to read the word was when I was reading them a little Bible story at the end of the night. But you're still giving your heart life and water, just like Hagar needed that water, that living water. Bir Allah Roy, the well of the one who sees me. Hebrews 4, 12 through 16 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting beneath, between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to what we believe this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of them the same testings we did but he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. He sees you. There's nothing that's uncovered. He sees every part, everything. And if you're a gentleman here today, a husband, I hope you didn't check out. He sees you. He hasn't forgotten you. When I am at home, and um, I spend a good amount of prayer for my kids. And like I said, for you, this song comes to me quite a bit. And I just want to invite us to um, kind of come into my living room for a minute. And uh, we'll, we'll put the words up on the back too, please, if you can. You'll, you'll see something in it about, I just want to be where you are, Lord. I just want to be where you are. And we're just going to close after this. And you spend a great day honoring your mom. Teens, unload the dishwasher, okay? Fold the underwear and socks, okay? Mm-hmm. Lord, if I...
situation and everything that seems hard to do at the minute, we recognize with our own eyes and our own spirit that you see us. You see us, you know us, you love us, and you have got us in your care. For your glory, God, we set our hands and our hearts before you to do your work unto our heavenly Father first and unto our families for your glory. I just wanna be where you are, Father God. I want my children to know you with all of their heart. I want this church to know you beyond a shadow of a doubt that you see them. You see every crevice and every place you see us. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to see us, that you want to know us. For that, we praise you. For that, we praise you. We praise you for every woman in this place. Meet her where she is today. And as she goes about her day, Remind her she is seen and known by the almighty, one, true God. What a special place to be. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.